0: pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Kelly, welcome
1: to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Blake, I'm so happy to be here. This is awesome. I'm
0: ready. Yeah, I'm just ready to go. Yeah. I feel like I start so many episodes this way where I'm saying, we had to start recording because we were just having a good conversation. My, I have my bagel, coffee, my bagels Look and smoked fish from New York City,
1: like coffee, and that I brought to Nashville with me. So this is my like power mug.
0: Yeah, you're ready. I'm ready. Yes, you're ready. So I was telling you before we started recording, I have long read your books and you're listened to your studies. You are an incredible teacher, and you have such a gift of looking at scripture and kind of helping people. I don't apply it to today. Yeah. Right. Pulling these historical texts into what does it mean for us today? And you have a new devotional that comes out like less than a month. Yes.
1: Yes. I'm, ah. I'm so pumped.
0: I've got it. I've got
1: it right here. Can I show it? Is that cheesy or can I show it? Absolutely. I just, I, no,
0: is, oh. my book's right okay, there. No. You're good.
1: This is so big. Uh, such a big deal for me because I, I write Bible studies primarily, and I haven't had like a book book come out in years and years. Because yeah. I love the Bible study writing, and I do that. But you don't do PR for Bible studies, which is fine. I don't think it, that needs to happen. But so I'm actually really excited about just like, it's yeah. just like this fun hard copy. And anyway, I'm really really pumped about this because well, we can talk about the Sermon on the Mount and the miracles that follow. And it, but it's it's such a life changer, and yes. it's hard for people to take in all at one time for anyone. Mm-hmm. So this is like 90 days, just every day, a little bit. And at the end of the 90 yeah. days, you've walked yourself through the whole thing. So
0: I was thinking about it before we started recording that sometimes devotionals get a bad rap because they can be yeah. fluffy. They can like cherry pick verses. This is not that. This is what does the red lettering say? Like, mm-hmm. what did Jesus say? And also, I love that you're zooming out when I first was looking into the devotional, I was asking you is this about the sermon on the mountain? Yeah, but yeah. it's also book-ended and so much more complex than that. So tell us a little bit about kind of that journey, you know, up the mountain, down the mountain.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I that you would think that I would know this after all this time, but I think it's in Matthew chapter 4 and I'm going to forget which verse, but there's at the end of chapter 4. Matthew says that Jesus went around teaching the good news of the kingdom, pre- preaching the good news of the kingdom, teaching in the synagogues and healing every sickness and disease. Then at the end of chapter nine, Matthew says the exact same thing. Mm. So what he's doing for us from a literary standpoint is he is basically putting two bookends around everything that's in the middle. Well, what is in the middle? Well, the Sermon on the Mount is in the middle, but there are also 10 curated miracles that you know Matthew collected, the the 10 that he wanted to share Mm. that are in between that. So what you have in between those two bookends are the teachings of Jesus and the deeds of Jesus, the miracles and the healings. And what happens tends to happen, and this is not bad, it's natural, but we tend to just extract the Sermon on the Mount and we just look at the teachings Mm -hmm. or we just move on to his miracles. But I really believe that Matthew wanted us to digest both together because we see it in those two statements that he taught and he did miracles. You know, he preached the good news of the kingdom and he showed the good news of the kingdom by his healings. So that's why I didn't want to just take the sermon. I also didn't want to just take the, the miracles. And it worked out that, that about 90 days, you kind of can make your way through all of it. So that that's why... I'd, I loved getting excited, you know, or why I got so excited about what Matthew was doing there. And what's cool is you get to follow Jesus up the mountain, sit down, listen to his teachings. Then we get to follow him down the mountain into the normal world of brokenness. And we get to see what he does in that space, how he lives out his own teaching. And then at the very end, he calls us to be laborers in his harvest field. It's awesome.
0: My, one of my favorite things about the life of Jesus is that he always practiced what he preached. Yes. Right. He wasn't walking around saying, don't judge. And then was some judgy McJudgerson telling everybody how wrong they were and how much they had messed it up. Right. He was consistent. Jesus was and is consistent. And I think if you are someone who interacts with the world, especially the Christian world, that can be lacking. Like there is a lot that Christians have to learn about the consistency of Jesus. And what it requires is exactly what you're doing with this devotional. It could be easy to look at the Sermon on the Mount. Like this is a whole bunch of instructions for how you're supposed to live your life and feel like it's your responsibility to make sure people know that they're not doing that, that they're not right. Like living it out. But it's, if you keep reading, you get to see Jesus, like get down in the trenches with people. Yeah. Yes. And meet them where they are yes. in his miracles.
1: Yes. And you talk about that consistency. And that's a big theme in the Sermon on the Mount. It would probably, the word would probably be slightly different. The word would be wholeness right. or purity. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. What, what Matthew and what Jesus is getting at so much in the sermon is for that consistency to be between our hearts and our actions. Amen. So it's yeah. not just that we're doing the right things with the wrong hearts. Or that we, you know, want to do the right things, but we don't, but that our actions would actually match the purity of our hearts and vice versa. And that's Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is trying to pull all that together for us. That's why he says things like, oh, you thought all you had to do was not murder someone. Right. But I'm telling you, don't be angry. You thought just don't commit adultery. I'm telling you not to lust. What is Jesus doing there? It's that consistency. He's pulling together our actions with the purity of our heart, that those things would come together. And that is, uh, man, it, it is not an easy message and it's not an easy yeah. thing to go live. And we need the
0: transformation of the Holy Spirit to do it. But it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and that was what I was going to, kind of what we started talking about earlier was matching the instruction of the new covenant, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. That if you just read Matthew 5 and you don't read the rest of the gospels, that is incredibly intimidating. Yes. Yes, right. yeah, there because the law was intended for uh, to show us that we can't do it. Completion of the law is perfection. There's only been one perfect human, yeah, and it was Jesus. So it's this like, I feel like this constant tension between knowing what is required, uh-huh. quote unquote, I'm putting that in hard air quotes, yes, required of you and what has already been done. Yes, what has been completed.
1: No, I think you're you're bringing up a great point, and I'm so glad you're very astute to have this question, because this is a quote-unquote problem with the Sermon on the Mount, is that it, Jesus doesn't sound like Paul, right? Mm. Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees had the utmost of righteousness, so what in the world are we supposed to do? Then you get further into the New Testament, you get to the epistles and Paul says, it is not by works. It is by grace that you right. are saved, lest any person should boast. It is, and, and so we're like, wait a minute, is Jesus's gospel different than Paul's gospel? And that is a challenge. And one of the things that you just said is that there has been a pervasive uh, belief over the last many years, all the way back to the reformers, that the Sermon on the Mount was meant to drive us to our recognize our need for a savior. And Mm -hmm. I agree with that on some level, but I also think it's not just to for us to go. Well, I can't. I guess I can't do any of this, so that's why I need a savior, right? Jesus is, I do believe, requiring us to have this incredible righteousness, but we need His empowerment to do it. We're going to need Him. He is the one that um, fulfilled the law for us. Later, we get the you know the Holy Spirit, and so, and it depends on you know. There's lots of different. Takes on this, but one of the things that John Stott says, and I appreciate this, is he says that the type of righteousness that Jesus is talking about, that we must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, he's not talking about the degree of righteousness. It's not like the Pharisees had a 95% on the righteousness test. We need a 96%. He's not talking about the degree. He's talking about the kind of righteousness. Right. Meaning that it's not this external thing that we're trying to do from our own selves. But it is that transformed heart that the prophets talked about in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, that our hearts would be softened and changed, that we'd have this new heart. And Jesus would work that out in us. But you're so astute to see that there feels like a real tension
0: between
1: Jesus and Paul.
0: Right. What's in between that tension is the cross. Yes. Right. Is Jesus doing something that we could have never done? And Paul makes it really clear that we were on that cross with him, that our sins died with him, that we were raised holy with him. When we make, you know, when we make Jesus our life, we step into that. And my pastor gives the best analogy for that, that when a baby is born, it is fully human, right? Yes. It doesn't become more human. It's human. Yes. It just learns how to be a better human. It learns (laughs) how to function in its humanity. And I really see our experience with Christ as the same. Mm. Once you are born again, the old has died, the new has come. You are holy. Yes. You just might not act like (laughs) it. (laughs) There's the sanctification (laughs) process. Exactly. Uh Exactly. That's how I've been coming to the Sermon on the Mount in the last few months. I am very squirrely in ADHD. So it's, it's something one day and then I'm very rarely consistently sitting down and Going through the same scripture yeah. because I get dist- <laughs> I sure. genuinely just get distracted. But the time that I've been spending in Matthew five, and I feel like it's a new experience for me as God has changed my heart from a heart of works mm. to mm-hmm. one of I. It's like a get to yes. instead of have to. Yes, right. Yes, yes. That yeah, like those are things. I do want to look this way, not because I have to, because I get to him because because I believe that God wants the best for his kids. Yes, absolutely.
1: And because this is part of His kingdom having come on earth. exactly. This is part of the restoration. So when we not only don't commit adultery, but we also don't lust in our hearts, when we not only don't kill people, but we also our anger, when we love our enemies, when our yes is our yes and our no is our no, because we are truthful and honest people when we give and we fast and we pray for the glory of God and not of other people when we are salt and light for the good of people in this world for the glory of the Lord i mean all of those things express god's kingdom here on earth and i think yeah especially in our day and age this is what is so moving to me about the sermon and about the miracles that follow as we are also to be agents of the Lord's kingdom, is that that's what our world needs so much. And here we are, you scroll through through social media and all the promises have to do with just a better body or better health <sighs> or a better you in the new year or a better uh, spouse or or whatever makes you happy and you being the most important. And we know that is the antithesis of the kingdom that Jesus brings. And it is a dead end. And it is why right. I think we are so, or one of the reasons why we are so desperate. And so, like living this out shows the kind right. of his kingdom.
0: And I will say, as someone who I tend to err more on the side of self hatred and, you know, struggling to believe that God even likes me. Yes. Which I think people tend to like fall in different buckets. Mm-hmm. A natural byproduct of living a life that looks like Jesus and expresses that to others is that stuff starts to fall away. Mm -hmm. As you pursue holiness and righteousness Mm -hmm. for the sake of the kingdom. Yes. And really do think it gives you this opportunity to see yourself the way Jesus sees you. Yes. Which is a really cool experience and self-hatred and Seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you cannot coexist. Like, yes. They cannot live together. Yes,
1: and you start to become other-centered, which is so exactly, clean, and you become you become self-forgetful
0: because self-hatred is still selfish. Yes, it is still making it all about you. Yes,
1: yeah, yes. That's one of my prayers sometimes when I'm going to do something, or if or if I'm even concerned about how I look, or how I am going to fit in, or 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 if I'm just feeling selfish or tired or whatever. But one of the yeah. prayers I pray is, Lord, help me to be self-forgetful. Mm-hmm. Not to forget about myself, but to not be thinking about myself.
0: For that to not be like the primary. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm thinking motive. about the people that are there and how I can yes love them and bless them. And it's just so free. It's so free. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you, as someone who has now like written a book, because I personally believe devotionals are books, they sometimes are harder to write than... <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, I've never written one until this one. So, you know.
0: Yeah. So, you have studied this, and we're, I want to move on to the miracles and kind of tie them all together. Absolutely. But do you have a favorite part of the sermon? Mm,
1: Yeah, I probably, I mean, I probably gravitate toward that. Consider the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store in barns, but yet your father, Heavenly Father, takes care of them. How much more will He take care of you? And then consider the, flowers of the field you know they don't toil yep. or spin and yet they're more beautifully clothed than Solomon in all of his glory how much more does the Lord want to do for you and so just that not worrying you know that whole passage on not worrying and trusting the care of the father and that he knows what we need before we even ask just brings me a lot of comfort so that's probably one of my favorite.
0: Yeah, I have a tattoo of the flower. The, <gasps> that of is the flowers. Oh, cool. uh, that's cool. As someone with an, an a naturally anxious mind. Oh, yeah. It is good to remind myself, look at the flowers. Yes. Look at the birds. Look at creation cries out. Oh, you my You can goodness. too, yes. right? Yes, yes. Okay, so I think people are likely relatively familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. But hearing that in tandem with these miracles that Jesus you know, that Matthew gathered, like tell us about that. Yeah. So I
1: love it. I love it because you see Jesus go up and, and um, the ancient reader would have kind of seen this connection, but like Moses went up in the old Testament on Mount Sinai and came down with the 10 commandments. Jesus goes up on the mountain and he doesn't give us necessarily a new law, but he, he reinterprets it or, or redefines Mm -hmm. it or deepens it. However you want to but really gives us the proper inter- interpretation of the law that was already there. But now with this supercharged, like heart change, you know, all right, right. And so he comes down the mountain as the, in a sense, the new Moses. And I love what the scholar uh, Hauerweus, Stanley Hauerweus says about this. He says he does not come down holding two stone tablets of the law that will be broken because he himself is the fulfillment of the law and he will be broken for our Mm. sins. It's just a powerful image. But he comes down the mountain and immediately what happens? A leper approaches him, a Jewish leper. Lord, if you are willing, will you make me clean? And Jesus touches the man, which would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean, would have defiled him from a Jewish ritualistic perspective. But Jesus heals this man, has compassion on him. So we see him as a religious outsider. Then a Roman centurion comes to him and says, my servant is at home you know, dying, will you, will you heal him? But you don't even have to come under my roof and defile yourself. You can just say the word. So now we see an ethnic outsider. Now we see a Gentile coming to Jesus. Then he goes straight to Peter's mother-in-law and he heals her. Now we see gender outcast. We see a woman who yeah. would not have had a lot of society. So we see that this new message, the coming of Jesus' kingdom is also for the outsider. And, and so immediately Matthew gives us these outsiders. Then we move to Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples who follow him. And what does Jesus do? He leads them straight into the middle of a storm and he shows his power over nature. Yeah, And we see that is not just Jesus stilling a storm, which of course he can do. He can still the metaphorical storms in our lives, but he's also showing his power over nature, which is showing his godness that he is truly the exactly. son of God. In the Psalms, you would see that only God could still the storms and the waves. And then you know and then they go to the other side of the, the region of the Gadarenes and you have the demon possessed and Jesus shows yeah. his power over demons and darkness and then they go back to the other side and he feels a paralytic and he forgives his sins which is like wait only God can forgive sins and and, this, and it keeps going and there are more miracles that continue to happen but it is i believe Matthew showing the incredible compassion kindness goodness in action his teachings yeah. now In action. And then at the end of Matthew 9, after we see these 10 miracles pulled together, Jesus says, Now, he turns to the disciples, he turns to us, and he says, Now, it is your turn. It is your turn. Yeah. To go be that tangible salt and light, to go into the harvest field and reap a harvest. Yeah. The Lord, it is always amazing to me that the Lord does not say, Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he can raise more money for the gospel. Yeah. Because we have a worker problem. We don't have a harvest problem. We have a, work, we have a laborer problem. Yeah. We have people who are not fully surrendered to, to what Christ is calling us to do in our lives and in this world. And that's the, that's the shortage. Yeah. And so it's really fun after you get to the end of that to realize, oh, wow, now he's calling us. He's calling you. He's, he's calling me.
0: Well, and not just calling us. I think sometimes I agree with you the harvest is not lacking. It is the harvesters. And sometimes I wonder if the harvesters are lacking because we have lost sight of how incredible God is and how incredible this is. Like, has it lost some of its? Like Jesus touched lepers when it was sociologically and culturally, Mm -hmm. that was huge no-no. Like he went against every cultural norm. He if anybody ever didn't care what people thought about him, it yeah. was Jesus. Yes. You know, and I think sometimes though, like wanting to fit cultural norms and feeling like, or feeling like we have to do it ourselves holds us back from stepping into that. What is essentially a, a directive or a command from Jesus yeah. that happens multiple times through scripture, like right. go out and make disciples, you know, go out and become fishers of men. Like, I'll my mind always tends to turn towards okay why aren't we doing that now we have the internet we have more access than ever right you know and in your real life you should hopefully be making that impact yeah and it's like you can't listen to somebody list off those miracles that you just listed off mm-hmm. and not be in awe of who mm-hmm. he is and was
1: yeah no i totally i agree and i think that you you hit something on the head i mean we we live in a culture right now in, in a Christian culture that, that for the most part, you know, everybody's just kind of doing their lives according to the American dream. And then we kind of add Jesus and see, well, we, you know, we, we kind of pull him in, you know, for extra good measure of, you know, blessing or favor mm-hmm. and to, you know, to, to be at church, or whatever, maybe we even kind of step into like a Bible study, but we have for, for so much. And, and I, and I contend with this in my own life, but it's like, are we fully completely surrendered to him? Yeah. as? savior and lord of every part of our lives not, right. not just a little bit, bit and when we get to know him and when we get to realize that there is truly nothing that we can do apart from him that there is no person on this earth there's no job on this earth there's no amount of money on this earth that can fulfill our hearts the way that jesus can when we yeah. really begin to grasp that then he does become our chief longing and desire and the things around us become empty. And maybe, yes. maybe some of it's my age, you know, like, and I used to always, I would always be like, oh, I can't believe people are like, say that about their, but you really do get to a point where you're like, okay, I've traveled, I've tasted. Oh, hundred percent. I've done that thing. I've done, you know, I've had these great relationships. I've experienced this. And you really get to that place where you're like, there's, but there's nothing like Jesus. Yeah.
0: There, and there isn't.
1: There's nothing like communing with him, hearing his voice, knowing his call on our lives all those disciples that Jesus said, you now are going to be a laborer. I'm calling you to be a laborer. Every single one of those labored in a slightly different way. Yes. You, know, it, you know, Peter <laughs> yeah. went to the, you know, was martyred. And I was just reading at the end of John, I think it was yesterday. And you know, Peter's like, well, what about, what about John? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus like, don't worry about it. it matter. Yeah. I'm, and <laughs> worry about so, yourself. <laughs> worry about yourself. Right. And then you see down the road, you see Paul going to the Gentiles. You see James and John really sticking with the Jews. And so it's not going to look like exactly the same for each of us. And and that's why I get excited about this because every person with us today has their own harvest field. I have neighbors to my left and right and across the street and behind me that you all don't have. And you all have neighbors that I don't have. And how are we about those things? And
0: we also have different gifting, right? Yes. Yes. And the people that you were just lifting up, like Paul went to the people he went to because he was created and gifted in a way to communicate with those people. Yes. That maybe Peter wasn't right. And I know, you know, they all had their own struggles along the way and they didn't do it perfectly, but they did it in the fullness of how God had created them. And it's, I don't think they had blinders on, but they just, I think fruitful ministry looks like running in your lane Without yeah. worrying, like, it's not wrong that someone else is running their race differently. Right. Yes. It's the different set of giftings. It's a different calling. Yeah. Same God, right? Yes. All on the same team, yes. running the same direction, run different ways. And I think that's okay. I think that's a good thing, actually.
1: It is. It is. It's the body of Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Yes.
0: Connecting, you know, the teachings that are in the sermon with the miracles. We've kind of talked about that it is, you know, this is teaching, this is action. Jesus didn't just say he did. Yes. Can you tell us like some of the other connections that you make in the book?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really does. it. The whole, the sermon and those, the, the living it out really cu- covers the gamut. Because I think a lot of times for us, um, we can take in this information and we can think, yes, that's right. I want to um, you know, I, I want to be more of a prayer or more of a giver, or I want to worry less, or, you know, but then when you come down the mountain and all of a sudden, you are face to face with people who are hurting, with people who are broken, suddenly, it's hard. we don't have time, right? Mm-hmm. We just it's like, oh, I don't know if I have time. I don't have time for that situation. I don't know if I have time to help. And so those tangible pieces of how this actually gets lived out in our lives, I think is huge. And it's something that, I contend with. It's like, how am I serving? Am I, I don't want to just be information-based. I want this to push out in my life. Yeah. So those are some of those connections. And I think about even Jesus with the woman who was bleeding, that's in those 10 miracles, mm-hmm. but he's on his way. He's on his urgent way to get to Jairus' daughter. And he doesn't get stopped. He stops, but he doesn't get stopped. This woman right. comes, touches the hem of his, of his garment. She gets healed you know especially in Luke's gospel it's very clear that she immediately is physically healed so perfect Jesus doesn't need to stop he can keep going to this urgent situation Bye. but what happens Jesus stops because even though she has gotten everything she has come for she has not gotten what he knows she still needs which is for her shame to be removed which is for her heart to be healed which is for him to be able to in the in the public spa- space and sphere declare her whole, forgiven, ceremonially clean in a sense, and to remove that shame from her life. And I think about how sometimes, you know, as Americans, we are, and I'm like, I love efficiency. I love productivity. (laughs) Right? Jesus, this is the most productive, efficient moment of your whole like ministry is that you are mid stride. Someone touches the hem of your garment, gets healed. You don't have to stop. Like that is a two for one if I've ever seen one. Yeah. just keep going but he stops and and that to me is a testament of like am i just checking boxes yes. am i checking religious boxes like okay that person got what they came for that or am i going wait a minute the holy spirit is saying stop yes slow down tend to that person they might have come for what they thought they needed but you can see that they need something more from you from the lord yes. give that to them and so when you when you begin to immerse yourself in these texts you cannot help but be Changed and and have your time altered, and that's something that I am trying to have my eyes open to. Like I have, like I have a phone call after this that that really is outside of my work. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, why did I say I would take that phone? You know, but it's an important phone call. But it's outside of like my agenda for the day. Exactly. And so today, though, as I was just kind of like going about getting ready and just praying and like, okay, Lord, that's an important phone call for this person. Exactly. It's not really high on my list, but, but yeah. How do you want to use me for that? And and how can I be available? How can I be a good listener? How can mm-hmm. I have good wisdom? How can I be a generous person in this time? So those are just small things, but that's there are ways that the sermon and those affect my day to day.
0: Well, and that's that's the hope, right? Is that these oh. scriptures come to life and yeah. make a change. I talk a lot on my platform about hustle culture. And like mm-hmm. boss, babe, entrepreneur, hustle, grind. And uh, that was my previous experience. And I, I left that behind. But we st- it, it still creeps in, right? It's yes, still, yes. I think it is our human inclination, like you were saying, yes. towards productivity. And I don't think productivity or hard work or a bad thing. Those are scriptural no, things. No, they but are, yeah, they are. I remember hearing in the kind of in the midst of coming out of all of that, someone said, Jesus was busy, but he wasn't hurried. Yes, yes, absolutely. Jesus was, I mean, but he also took time to rest and he prioritized going away in solitude. And I think that that's a great example for us as well. But even in his active ministry, the man was healing people. <laughs> he yes. was yes. busy, he was yes. active. But it exactly to your point, if Jesus had been in a hurry, he would have just kept going. Yes. If it was task-based checking off the boxes, he would have known that that woman got healing and been like, yeah. okay, cool. She's good. Let's roll. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, but like the Jesus that loves us and that we get to try to look like was intentional in his productivity. Yes. And that I think is the switch. Are you productive just to be productive? Or Are you productive with the intent of like making heaven as full as possible? Yes.
1: Yeah. And when we are, when we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we, it may not look at the end of the day, like the most productive amount, but we might be kingdom productive in a way that we can't even see. So um, yeah, it's exciting. I know. I love these chapters. I love, I love what Matthew has given us in chapters five through nine. It's just so, it's so practical. It's uncomfortable, but it's good. It's, it's good.
0: Oh, I mean, everything I, I am personally of the belief that most good things are on the other side of discomfort and that you have to like get uncomfortable to find that freedom and find that healing tell people where they can keep up with you online. Your book, by the time this comes out, your book is out so they can get your, get the devotional wherever they get, get their books, but how can they keep up with you online? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, kellymentor.com
1: is my website, but I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So those are the two, mostly Instagram, but also on Facebook. And um, yeah, the devotional is called The Blessed Life, a 90-day journey through the teachings and miracles. So The Blessed Life and wherever you get books.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm going to get me a copy and go through it. So I'm well, excited.
1: Thank you, Blake. It's been so awesome to be with you and an honor to be on your podcast today.
0: All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.
1: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.